What can wash me white as snow? Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. To our eyes, snow is perfectly the whitest thing that one can look at, yet every snowflake has at its core a tiny speck of dirt around which its icy pattern has been formed. In other words, every snowflake has a dirty heart. The blood of Christ and the water of the Word cleanses us so that in God's sight we become whiter than snow. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When we repent of our sins and turn to God for our salvation, we exercise faith. Thus, an appropriate acrostic for the letters that spell faith would be, Forsake all, I take him. And that's the change of heart we'll see in the three converts along the missionary journey to Philippi of Paul and Silas. Follow along in your Bible, if it's handy, with Pastor Xavier, delivering a simple truth study drawn from Acts chapter 16. Now, from verse 6 to 10, or 9 really, as they began their journey through Phrygia in the region of Galatia, God began to guide them by various ways. Listen, there's no indication in these verses 6 down to 9 that uh, God said go out or was guiding them. But then as we move on, we see that He is. He's guiding, redirecting, He's saying no, He's saying yes. And this is what happens many times in our lives. God is directing me, and I'm not even aware of it until after the fact. And we've all experienced that. When you get to verse 14, then we're introduced to the woman Lydia and her activities. She ran a business as a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, it says. Thyatira was famous throughout the Rome because it procured um, shellfish in, in this incredible color to make official robes like togas for Rome. And uh, they were very expensive, very luxurious. And this, is what, this was her business. The woman heard the preaching notice of the gospel through Paul and Silas. Notice she responded to the Lord's conviction as the Lord opened her heart. Don't miss that. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Romans ten seventeen. right? That's why the gospel is necessary. Now, when you get to verse 15, you have the evidence of conviction here. Her household and her were saved. And they were baptized through her faith in Christ. Now, we don't get a lot of details. I was like, well, what happened? All of a sudden, she's saving her household. It doesn't mean that her household was saved by her faith, but each individual had to believe on their own because we compare Scripture with Scripture. Now, we certainly pray for our loved ones. We believe that God can save them, but they each have to decide individually. God has no grandchildren, only sons and daughters. And then notice her hospitality. She offers, and if you consider me faithful to the Lord, so she puts that connection. She's a seller. She's a businesswoman. If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. God saves wealthy women like Lydia through the gospel. Secondly, notice we have the demon-possessed slave girl. The young girl met them as they were going to prayer. Interesting, you're going to prayer, here comes a demon-possessed girl. The young girl was possessed by a demon of divination, the spirit of Python, the serpent. Notice the girl brought her masters much profit, we're told, by fortune-telling. The word fortune-telling means to deliver an oracle by familiar spirits, not the Spirit of God. She was being exploited by these men. Demons only know the past and the present, but they don't know the future. Now, 
Notice the young girl's activities are given to us in verse 17. She follows Paul and the men around. She attempts to identify herself with the work of God by identifying them as the servants of the Most High God. And by identifying the message as the way of salvation. Why? Demons know who believers are. Mark 1.24, Luke 4.41, and many other passages. Hi, Jesus, Son of God, what are you doing here? Everybody's saying, is that Jesus? He's the Son of God. Hi, he's the Son of a centurion. Who is? And the demons say, hi, Jesus, Son of God. Demons know if you're a Christian. Now, notice the power encounter in verse 18. Paul waited for God's perfect timing as she continued doing this for many days. And so Paul reached the end of his patience to an extent. And the consternation of Paul is marked by the phrase, greatly annoyed. Paul acted on God's prompting, not his own. It's very important. Notice Paul confronted the spirit, not the girl. Very important. He turned towards the girl, but he spoke to the spirit possessing the girl. He commanded the demon in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. The demon came out that very hour. In 19, the master of the demon-possessed girls responded violently. The masters who were exploiting the slave girl are outraged. They, they saw their means of gain destroyed. The master dragged them into the marketplace where the authorities were. And in 20 and 21, the masters accused Paul and Silas of, to the magistrates. They identified the men as being racially different. Jews bringing religious convictions that were Jewish. Notice they were um, charged first with exceedingly troubling the city, bringing disorder to the city, disturbing the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. This was very severe. Verse 21, they were accused also, secondly, uh, with teaching contrary customs not lawful for them to receive or observe, being Romans. They, they, Romans, Rome, they're very, they're, there's this pride, this pride, we're Romans, we don't even have a Jewish synagogue here. Bringing sedition, teaching customs which were not lawful, being Romans. The world is always open to any form of philosophy and perversion, but intolerant towards the gospel. Interesting. Her masters, the multitudes, and the magistrates unanimously agreed to punish them. The crowds turned against Paul and Silas. The magistrates tore their clothes off and commanded them to beat them with rods. And um, Paul mentions that he was beaten three times with rods in 2 Corinthians 11.25 and 1 Thessalonians 2.2. 2. You know, he speaks about, you know, being shipwrecked in deep sea and all. I mean, just the stuff that this guy went through. It's incredible. When Satan cannot join the work, his second tactic is always persecution. Always. There's a great amount of money that's being made in our nation regarding the occult, the world of the spirit, the metaphysical, the new age, the self-help books. The number of listings, if you just get on Google, are as follows. And I'm not going to give you a whole bunch, but just listen. You put in yoga, you got 66,800,000. Meditation, 43,200,000. New age, 35,000,000. Astrology, 32,300,000. Tarot, 24,300,000. Buddhism, 18,000,000. And so on and so forth. America is open her heart to demons and spirit guides and deception. Some Christians are being taken in by this new age with the emerging church, sharing some of the same disciplines and practices of the new age. The scriptures are clear upon the occult. Let me just give you a few scriptures. Um, Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12. 
There shall not be found anyone among you who makes a son or daughter to pass through the fire. He said, well, we don't do that. Well, you abort your kids. Same thing. It's a sacrifice. Or one who practices witchcraft, soothsayers, or one who interprets omens, uh, Harry Potter, all that, sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or mediums, or spiritists, or one who calls on the dead, necromancy. Uh, for all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. God kicked them out of the land because they were practicing seeking demons and familiar spirits. You understand? Next time you go get some donuts and you have some Buddhists in the back there, the burning incense, there's demons behind that thing. It's not just a statue. Listen to 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whatever they, whether they are of God. Because many spirit, false prophets have gone out into the world. How do you test the spirit? By what the Word of God says. If they agree who Jesus is, fine. Many of these New Agers... In the emerging church, they're preaching a cosmic Christ, a creator, an avatar, the Eucharist Christ of the Catholic Church. Not the Lord and Savior who died in your place, that you must be born again. Using biblical terms, but changing the meaning. Be careful. The book, The Secret, it's a big thing, by Rhonda Birney, B-Y-R-N-E. It's based on the New Age concept called the Law of Attraction, which means whatever you think, you make happen. Released in 206, but since uh, she appeared on Oprah Winfrey in 207, the book soared sales. Over 3.75 million copies are in print in America. This is just one book. I already gave you the, the many websites. She sums up the secret. Listen. These are words. No matter who you thought you were, now you know the truth of who you really are. You are the master of the universe. You are the heir to the kingdom. You are the perfection of life. And now you know the secret. End of quote. New age. Metaphysics. Demons. Ooh. Jesus alone can save any person. But he can also save people in the occult. Even people possessed. We have evidence of it through the scripture. The God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Satan. He holds men captive at his will, 2 Timothy 2.26. But Jesus can set them free. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, 1 John 4.4. 4. A, a Christian cannot be demon possessed. Don't let nobody tell you that. It isn't a demon, it's your flesh. Crucify it. How interesting the demon of lust comes upon you when you go visit your girlfriend to read the Bible at 2 in the morning. You make provisions for your flesh, you're going to eat it. Crucify your flesh. Ain't no demon. God says demon possess people like the young slave girl. You have any problems with that? Hmm. Notice thirdly, we have the suicidal Roman jailer, 23 to 34. The magistrates humble Paul and Barnabas and they hand them over to the jailer. They, after afflicting many stripes on them, they threw them into prison here. The bodies were, I mean, can you imagine a bruising? And everything? I mean, they're in, in pain. Their, their, their bodies are going to be swelling. Incredible. And they command the jailer to keep them security. That means that he's responsible for their lives. If they escape, he's dead. He's a veteran. He's a retired soldier. 
Verse 24, the jailer obeys the orders from the magistrates. He puts them in the inner prison. There were three levels to the prison. The upper level was flat and light and fresh air was available. The second level was the middle level with a strong uh, iron gate. And um, they were barred and locked. And then the third level is the dungeon. This is where he puts them. They're condemned to die. That's the people that are put there. Dark, damp, and filthy. And they're all beat up. Notice he fastens their feet, what? In the stocks. These wooden things, you know, where they put the hands and the feet. And they, it's real stretched out so that you're very uncomfortable. They don't put you in the stocks to make you comfortable, but to inflict more suffering. And then in verse 25 through 28, we have the apostles' activities. They were worshiping God, verse 25 says. The word but marks the sharp contrast between their physical condition and their spiritual condition. Their physical condition did not affect their spiritual condition. Keep that in mind, okay, when you go through things. Real important. At midnight, they were praying and singing to God. Seeking and praising God, not murmuring and complaining. Oh God, why did you do that? Why would God do that? Why wouldn't God do that? Does He owe you? Do you know the mind of God? The prisoners were listening. Probably amazed. As you can imagine. In 26, all of a sudden they're delivered from their chains through divine intervention. God's in control. He's on the throne. Suddenly there's a great earthquake. And there was no small tremor. The word great means megas. Like we get mega bucks, stuff like that. It's a big one. The foundation of the prison down third level is shaken. Immediately all the doors were open. Everyone's chains were loosened. Linsky, the Greek scholar, says it means the locks no longer held, not just opened. God took this opportunity to give meaning to what they were singing and praising Jesus about. <laughs> and as they're listening, let me tell you, the dots were connected. <laughs> They prevented the jailer from committing suicide. The jailer here awakened out of his sleep. He sees the doors open, supposing the prisoners to be gone. The jailer drew his small dagger, put it to his throat, he's ready to commit suicide. Because he knows he has to pay with his life. And Paul calls out and says, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Whoa. God was at work and the jailer thought he was out of work. <laughs> Notice we get the evidence of conversion. I mean, things are, boom, boom, boom. These, these things are just given to us. 29 to 34. In 29, the jailer called for light. He ran and he fell, trembling before Paul and Silas here. His response demonstrates that he was very aware that God was at work in view of Paul and Silas. All of a sudden, he was aware of what their charges was. And he remembers that demon-possessed girl. And he knows the Satan power of Satan. He knows now. The reality of things. He saw the power of God being manifested. Releasing these men. Their chains are off. He's a veteran soldier. He's a bad dude. In verse 30. The jailer brought them out of the cell. And asked. What must I do to be saved? <laughs> the pagan understood. That he had to work for it. No you don't. Wow. The Roman world was very religious, as you know. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Spirit here begins to work in his heart. He's connecting the dots. And the jailer was simply told this. Listen, believe. That's it. Believe. Well, believe in what? Well, he's been hearing about what he's supposed to believe in. He knows what's happened. His whole household is saved. We're just told that. Now, many try to pull 
the scriptures say, well, my whole household can be saved. If I'm saved, they're all going to be saved. No, they have to decide by themselves. Okay? They have to decide by themselves. No other name given under heaven and earth whereby we must be saved, Acts 4.12. Now notice the jailer in 32 and his household were instructed the word. Why? Because once you're born again, you need to be instructed. We are here not to fleece you. We're here to feed you. To help you depend on the Lord, not us. The jailer washed their stripes. Look at the change. Verse 33. Yet compassion over them. Washing their wounds. He recognized their innocence now. Then the jailer and his household were baptized. It says verse 33 also. Giving a public confession. What had happened in their heart. They were saved by believing. That's it. Believing in who Jesus is and what he did. And then the jailer brought them into his own house and fed them. So he even took them out which was against the Roman law. I mean, there's a complete change in this man's heart. Why? They were brothers in Christ. Instantly, 1,000 a second. They were enjoying fellowship in the Lord. And in 34, the jailer rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. It keeps being repeated. It means he was saved and so were they. They had the Holy Spirit. In him and in them. And they were manifesting the fruit of the spirit of God by love. The joy of seeing all of his family saved. What a joy. In the devotional of bread for each day. says the following. Listen. As we think of the awesome responsibility that God has given to each of us. Regarding the communication of the gospel. We must see people as the scriptures describe man the potential, and the potential of the blood of Christ. Listen carefully. David, in his penitent prayer, Psalm 51, after his sin with adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah, her husband, reveals his confidence as well as his incredible understanding about God's forgiveness to make one clean when he declares that if God cleanses him, he would be whiter than snow. The expression is not mere exaggeration. For though to our eyes... Snow is perfectly the whitest thing that one can look at, yet every snowflake has at its core a tiny speck of dirt around which its icy pattern of ice has been formed. In other words, every snowflake has a dirty heart. The blood of Christ and the water of the Word cleanses us from, uh, so that God's sight, in God's sight, we become whiter than snow. Do you believe that just for you? Or do you believe that straight across for anybody? So put a blank there on the sinner. You fill in the blank. If you say no to anybody that's put in there, you don't believe the gospel. Wow. Then he goes on to say, When King Edward VIII, or the seventh, was still Prince of Wales, he went visiting the country nobleman, and a little girl of his host entered the room and climbed upon his knee. Being a sweet Christian, she had determined to talk to the prince about his soul, in case he wasn't born again. He says, do you like uh, to make guesses? Uh, she asked in her childlike way. Yes, he said with a smile. Is there something you would like me to answer? Please, sir, can you tell me what is whiter than snow? The king looked confused and finally had to give up. The little maid, with a sweet rebuke in her eyes, said, Oh, prince, I'm sorry, but every soul washed in Jesus' blood should know that he is whiter than snow. Do you really believe that? For the murder, for the adulterer, for the fornicator, for the homosexual, for the child molester, for the wife beater, 
Do you believe that? Or do you have a clause exception? Be careful, the pressure comes from the church today. For you not to accept it categorically, without exception. The preaching of the gospel is to be saved. And is not dependent upon economic levels. But on grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Not of yourself, it's a gift of God. The wealthy woman Lydia was of the upper level of society. The demon-possessed girl was of the lower level of society. The suicidal jailer was of the middle class society. He can save them all. The preaching of the gospel will always be opposed by an attempt to join the work of God, which is happening much today, like the emerging church. False profession. By persecution to stop the preacher and intimidate the preacher. And to stop the preaching, it never works. The preaching of the gospel will always be initiated by God. And he will guide his servants. This is the pattern for leadership. For the Christian. We must be sensitive to God's prompting to move. Individually. We must be moving for God to guide us. Don't sit. We must be patient as God closes doors. And we must be obedient as God directs us. Somewhere we do not have any idea or plans of going. We must be interested more in the will of God and the plan of God than our own. We must realize that God's leading, though there may be suffering and persecution, never means that he's not in it. God wanted Paul to take and preach the gospel to Europe because to Europe, the gospel came here. Where does God want you to preach the gospel? To the law and the testimony, if they do not speak according to the word, this word, it is because there is no light in them. Isaiah 8.20 says, it is the gospel. Genesis to Revelation, nothing else. You sift everything through the word. God was directing and guiding the steps of Paul and Silas all the way. Now, God could have kept Paul and Silas from being beaten and thrown in prison, but he chose not to. Why? Because he wanted to reach this jailer. Are you willing to suffer for someone to get the gospel? Or are you always um, interpreting personal difficulties and opposition to the devil? <laughs> when in fact God is in them for you to be used to reach others in Christ. It is natural for us to think of our rights and what's fair without ever considering the leading and the will of God. It's part of our sin nature, certainly part of our culture. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter 3, 9. Keep that in mind, people. Keep the first thing, first thing. The main thing, the main thing. God saves suicidal people like the Roman jailer. You have any problem with that? <laughs> These were the first converts of Philippi, revealing the kind of people that God not only can save, but is willing to save if their heart is open to Him. You have any problems sitting next to some of these people? The wealthy businesswoman named Lydia was saved. The demon-possessed slave girl was saved. And the suicidal Roman jailer was saved. 
Can we give you a better one? You've been saved. And you're my brother and my sister. I hope you consider me yours. By the grace of God. For whosoever will believe in my name. Pastor Xavier Reese closing our study today with the simple truths and grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, copies of today's study titled The Gospel Reaches Europe are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is The Gospel Reaches Europe, or simply mention today's date. Now, you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And tell a friend to join us for more Simple Truths from Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 